This is the daily podcast from St Paul's Knightsbridge, an invitation to stop for not more than 10 minutes each day to think, to reflect and to pray. This week, and until the 23rd of December, straight talking with God, some thoughts on the grammar of prayer. Day 5. Proper Nouns. O Adonai. What is in a name? asks Juliet in Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Well, of course, her answer is not a lot. The label we give something, what we call it, is subordinate to its qualities. That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, she says. Well, she would say that, wouldn't she? Her point is that her beloved Romeo is a Montague, the sworn enemy of her family, the Capulets. What do names matter, she says. Love triumphs, whatever name you have. Her view that names don't matter much, of course, is not widely shared. The name someone has has often, by contrast, been understood to have real power. Giving someone a name is sometimes seen as exerting power over someone or something. Hence, in the book of Genesis, Adam gives names to all the creatures, signifying his authority over them. Names aren't just powerful, they can be downright dangerous. In 1777, the Chinese scholar Wang Shu was put to death with eight other members of his family and had his family's property confiscated because he had dared to break one of the ancient Chinese naming taboos and so far forgot himself as to write down the name of the Quanlong Emperor. Custom dictated that his name should never be written down, or at least never written down in its full form. But Wang Shu did exactly that. Whatever Juliet's view, names have power in many cultures. They are technically proper nouns, unique identifiers of a person or a place. And therefore, wherever they occur in a sentence in English, they are given a capital letter. Incidentally, the gratuitous capitalization of common nouns, mid-sentence, for no good reason at all, is one of the most gratuitous errors in modern English. Whereas proper nouns, names, should always have capital letters. In the Bible, God's name, at least in the Jewish tradition, is never written out in full and seldom spoken. Instead, it's written in the form of what is called the Tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H. We, in our Christian tradition, quite shamelessly transliterate it in hymns and Bible translations as Yahweh or Jehovah. But no self-respecting Jew would do that. Instead, in conversation or debate, the tetragrammaton is replaced by the word Hashem, meaning the name. And in public prayer, and this is why all of this is very relevant today, the 18th of December, in public prayer and liturgy in the synagogue, the tetragrammaton is rendered Adonai, which means the Lord. Well, actually, it means the Lord's 
plural. But sadly, an exposition of the traces of ancient names for God in the Yahwist and Eliwist sources, and what they might suggest about the emergence of monotheism from more primitive religion, is beyond the scope of this podcast. Who knows? Perhaps another day. Today, the 18th of December, the Church rehearses the second of the O Antiphons. Yesterday, it was O Sapientia. Today, O Adonai. O Adonai, leader of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the fire of the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai. Come and redeem us with an outstretched arm. The form of this antiphon is now familiar to us, that vocative O at the beginning, words addressed to Jesus Christ as Lord Adonai, and then the imperative, the request or demand made of him, come and redeem us with your arm outstretched. My Lord. It's a feature, isn't it, of speaking to or about high and mighty people that we don't over-personalise things. We use language to keep a distance, and we prefer to use stylistic circumlocutions instead of people's names. Deference and distance are felt to be the right way to come close to greatness. In court address, it used to be, and indeed in some circles, more conservative circles, is still felt appropriate not to address grandees directly by the use of the second person pronoun. One wouldn't say, would you like a cup of tea? Rather, one might say, would your majesty like a cup of tea? Social distance is not just about physical space. It is about semantic space, too. This principle and instinct plays out in formal prayer too. We usually aren't too cosy-cosy with God, as Father Bill Scott used to say, at least in the public prayer of the Church. We instinctively defer, using terms like Almighty God or Lord Adonai, but it seems that, however formal Christian prayer may be from time to time, there is a strand in our tradition stemming from the teaching and the example of Jesus that actively encourages us to close the formal distance we create and to talk intimately with God, not, as it were, playing the part of cowering vassals in some oriental court hardly daring to raise our eyes but rather looking straight ahead, raising our eyes, drawing close to and speaking directly to God, who is a heavenly Father. The names we use of God in the formal prayer of the Church and in collects are fascinating. They're worth noticing Sunday by Sunday and reflecting upon and some formality probably feels about right when we mere creatures dare to bring ourselves actively into the presence of the maker of heaven and earth. But such is the mystery of God and his love for his creation and for us, 
that naming and speaking directly to him is also right and indeed is vital to the forming of a proper relationship with God. As we listen now to the second of the O Antiphons, O Adonai, O Lord, maybe time to wonder, are you too deferential in your engagement with God? Is your demeanour and your language too staid, too formal, too traditional? And dare you try something more intimate, more trusting, and more direct? Join me tomorrow, Saturday the 19th of December, before the parish carol service at 6 o'clock for the next podcast in this short series. And this is only one of many podcasts now available from St Paul's Knightsbridge, which you can find by searching on Spotify or SoundCloud.